can get started. It's good to see everybody out. Let's do page 390. You can be seated. 390. Pay 386. May have to get your books out right quick. They dropped my Lord and Master with no one to defend within the halls of power. He stood with Life for him, I'll 
against him. I love him to the end. And while on earth I'm living, my Lord shall have a friend. I'll be a friend to Jesus. My life for him I'll spend. I'll be a friend to Jesus until my years shall end. Hear all who need a Savior, my friend I recommend. Because He brought salvation is why I am His friend. I'll be a For him, I'll spend. I'll be a friend to Jesus until my years shall end. Let's all stand, page 313. by my side There is a heavy load upon me and yet a pressing all because I found the Savior friend and guide Oh yes I have somebody with me to share my heavy load I feel His presence near me every day and although trouble overtakes me along that weary road I have somebody in bitter toil and sorrow and heartaches not a few Of consolation sweet as mine each day And soon I'm going home tomorrow when life on earth is through I have somebody with me all the way Oh yes, I have somebody with me to share the heavy load I feel His presence near me every day And although trouble overtakes me Along life's weary road I have somebody with me all the way Turn around and have a little fellowship And then we'll get to last Trouble overtakes me along life's weary road. 
Good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Um, that was weak. How's everybody doing today? Yeah, that's much better. Yeah, we're in the house of the Lord. I'll be bright and cheery and in good mood. So we got a couple of announcements to make. Tomorrow, we've got a ladies' uh, meeting, a Bible study. It's going to be at the Fellowship Hall. Uh, 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock. Remember, they're going over part four and five, whatever that means. So uh, just be ready for that. Uh, got the uh, conference coming up on the second. Uh, so be ready for that. We got two available uh, director positions, uh, the Happy Pilgrims. And we also have the nursery that is open. So uh, if you're interested in either one of those, please be in, in much prayer about that. Let Brother Terry and myself know. Uh, if you already have a position that... Uh, that you want to vacate, uh, just let us know about that as well. Um, this coming Sunday uh, morning and night, and the following Wednesday, we're going to have uh, Brother uh, Josh Nixon here. Uh, so just come on and support him as his he uh, comes and gives us a, some good messages. So let's uh, go ahead and take a prayer request. Anybody have any prayer requests? Sue and I. Okay. Is it Jan Osborne? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Trina. Absolutely. Ash, did you have something? Okay. Yep. Okay. Who? Rick and, yes, absolutely. Anybody else? Angela Turner. Angela Turner? Yes. We found out she did have one at the moment. Yes. Jane Chows? Spell that. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Let's say that last one again. Teresa Rumble, Runnels, Runnels. Okay. 
Anybody else? All right, well, let's uh, come on down and uh, let's pray for all these. Pray for the service tonight and uh, pray for Brother Josh Nix coming this coming Sunday. Good evening. Hope everyone had a good day today. We'd open your Bible to 1 Samuel 17. We're going to be verse 38 through 40. 1 Samuel 17. I'll give you just a minute to get there. First Samuel seventeen thirty-eight through 40. It reads, <clears throat> And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put on a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them... And David put them off him, and he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones out of the brook, and put them in the shepherd's bag which he had, even in the scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. The, uh, if I had a title, I guess, of the message tonight, I would title it, Give Me a Stone. I guess this is a very familiar story and familiar passage that probably most of us are familiar with or I've heard before, is taught up to when you're little in Sunday school, 
to even uh, when you're older. The story of David and Goliath. Most pe- like, like I said, most people know that story. The uh, Goliath, the Philistine, I guess that was defying the armies of Israel. It was a great giant that they were going up against. And uh, Saul wanted to give David his armor to face Goliath. But David did not want to do that because he had not proved that, it said. He'd rather have go to the brook and get five stones. The, uh, I guess you could say his armor would relate to the things of the world and the stones would relate to the things of God. Sometimes, uh, I guess we have different things in our Christian life that we do not need to take the things of the world, but we need to take the things of God, just like David took the things of God, which are the stones, rather than the things of this world. And just as he had five stones, I'm going to speak tonight about five stones that we should have as a Christian. Five stones we should have as a Christian. The first stone is the stone of salvation. We read, I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture tonight. The first passage is 2 Samuel 22:47. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and exalteth be the God of the rock of my salvation. Psalms 42. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my going. Then Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Therefore, whoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which builds his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which buildeth his house upon a sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. At first, I'd like to say, Christ is our firm foundation. You know, when we get saved, we're set in Christ. The, uh, we could not, I guess, fall if we wanted to. Like, he's there holding us up. You know, it talks about him being the cornerstone. And uh, he is also, he's referred to, it doesn't technically say this phrase in the Bible. If y'all have heard it, he's our rock of ages. Isaiah 40, 28 says, Hast thou not, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. You know, God is all-knowing and all-powerful. He always was and always is. You know, these scriptures above talk about building your house upon a rock. You know, when we get saved, we're in that rock. And it also talks about the people that build their house on the sand. You could relate those people to, I guess, unsaved non-christians it talks about they are uh fools you know the, the bible says a fool says in his heart there is no god and ultimately if they do not give their life to christ they will i guess have the greatest of all falls and go to a devil's hell so it's important i guess first off to make sure you have the stone of salvation the uh secondly would be the stone of protection nehemiah two seventeen says then said I unto them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates there, are, gates there are burned with fire. And let us come and build the wall of Jerusalem, that we no more be a reproach. You know, the story of Nehemiah, 
he was a cupbearer, went over to Jerusalem. The walls needed repair, and he saw a need for that to build those walls. You know, us as Christians, we need to build walls of protection around our own lives. The, uh, I guess I was trying to think the greatest way to do that is uh, probably Ephesians six eleven, talking about putting on the armor of God. All right, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able, able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You know, the, uh, if we're going to live a life, I guess, and want protection, I guess, from Satan, one of the greatest ways, like I said, they're in, is the sword of spirits, which is the word of God. When we saturate our life with God's word and have his word in our heart, we can use it against the devil. Just as Jesus did when he was on the mount, he quoted, I guess, Satan's scripture, and we can do the same thing. Then if we go on to the same passage, that was verse 17, verse 18, it goes, continues, it said, Praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching unto, thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints. Another way, I guess, building protection around our life is through prayer. The, uh, has anybody ever heard the story of uh, Peter Richley? Anybody heard of that in here? I know Nathan's not here now, but he actually sent it to me. But I did look it up. It does have some validation to it. So Peter Richley was a sailor, and he was like aboard a crew of a ship in the early 1800s. I think it said about 1820. So he was sailing, I think, from like somewhere, I don't know, maybe around Europe, going to Australia, something in that area. The, uh, so he was on his ship, and his ship sank. So... Following right behind him was another ship. They lifted him up and pulled him to safety. So then he was in that boat for a little while, and that ship sank. They pulled him up again, pulled him to safety. So he was going, I don't know how much longer, that ship sank. And this happened five times. And it almost sounds comical that it could not happen. But the, uh, you can look the story up. His name is Peter Ridgely. Happened five times. So he finally gets on this last boat they pull him up to safety and there's a doctor on the boat that checks him out they're wondering how he is in his like physical condition so everything checks out clear he's good and i guess he's wondering to himself i should probably be dead be dead i don't know why i'm saved like i guess saved from drowning the uh, or it might even be comical to him at the moment how in the world could this ever happen so then the doctor asked him a favor. He said, there's a lady that is sick on our, on our boat that she wants to see her son. And she's moaning and groaning. She's very sick. Can you go into her room and pretend like you are her son to just give her a little bit of peace? 
because she knows everybody else on the crew, everybody else on the ship, but she doesn't know you. So he's like, yes, I'll do that. You saved my life. I'll be glad to do that for you. And I forgot her name. I think it might have been Sarah Ridgely, maybe. But he goes into the uh, quarters where she's at, and she's praying, God, please let me see my son. Please let me see my son. And he walks in and just falls down and starts crying because that was his mo actual mother that was in that, uh, in that quarters. You know, the, uh, that's an amazing story about the power of prayer and protection that it can bring. The, uh, sometimes we read stories like that, like, that could not be true. You know, with God, all things are possible. There's all kinds of stories in the Bible like this. You come to the impossible, then uh, God does something miraculous and does a miracle. Also, the, uh, I guess another reference to that, the disciples are trying to cast out, I guess, a spirit once, and they couldn't do it, but the devils, or Jesus told them, these things come not by prayer and fasting. You know, sometimes we just need to ask God. He has all the power and might and knowledge. Sometimes we just need to ask him for help, and he would help us. I think we also need to pray, I guess, prayers around our children for protection. The, uh, I know a lot of people will say, like, these things are new that are happening. Our children are, have more pressure today than they've ever been. But really, it's been like this for a long time. We go back to... Uh, I guess, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when the king, I guess, sieged these other kingdoms, took them out, tried to change what they were taught. He tried to uh, change their identity by changing their names. And then he tried to make them bow to the things of this world. You know, that's, that's really about the same place we're at today. The, uh, the world, I guess, is trying to change the identity by sexual identity. They're trying to change kids to question what they really are. The, they're trying to make it normalized in our society. I think we need to pray for our children and also pray for ourselves. I guess there's a lot of, well, there's probably a lot of people in here that know prayer works. They've seen it in their lives and like seeing miraculous things God has done. But on the same side, there's probably a lot of prayers that have been prayed, or we have been protected, that we know nothing about. And some of those things may be from a, as we would call it, an un, like a circumstance that was unfortunate. Like you could say, I'm, I'm ready, I gotta be somewhere. Maybe Adeline spills her bowl of cereal and I have to clean it up. Maybe the Lord protected me from some car accident. You know, things like these could happen, we're just not aware of them. So we also need to be thankful for what the Lord is, uh, doing for us and what he can do through prayer. Third would be, we need to have the stone of worship. Deuteronomy 27, 5 through 6 says, And there shall you build an altar unto the Lord thy God, an altar of stones. Thou shalt not lift up any iron tool upon them. Thou shalt build an altar of the Lord thy God of whole stones, and thou shalt offer burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord thy God. The uh, word, well, I said the stone of word. When you think of altars in Bible times, they mainly, I guess, they served a few purposes. But a lot of times they went there to worship. Then other times you see altars, they go there to sacrifice things. That made me think of the word, you know, worship. The word worship comes from a Hebrew word, torta, 
which also means thanksgiving. And I guess thanksgiving's like a sort of like a compound where it has two separate words in it to give thanks, but also giving, which maybe think of the uh, scripture Psalms 107:22, and let us sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. So, you know, some of thanksgiving or worship sometimes is a sacrifice. And the, uh, it's all that God wants us to be thankful. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So how could we serve God and show our thankfulness to him? You know, first we can do it through yeah, words of praise. Psalms 156 says, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. You know, in society or people in general on their job, husband and spouse, or husband and wife, you should, when you get compliments, I guess it helps your relationship. It makes you feel more, I guess, built up. The, uh, and I think we need to be that way toward God. We need to thank Him sometimes with our words. You can do it in many ways, singing songs, telling Him about other people. Just tell him how good he is. You do teaching. But besides, I guess, just words, you can say things sometime and not really mean it. So also, I think we need to spend quality time with him. Matthew 6, 6 says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is in secret shall reward thee open, openly. It would be something for people to be married. And then never spend any time together. You'd want to feel unwanted. The uh, If you've never spoke to someone and never wanted to listen from them, you would not think that they cared very much about you. You know, that's exactly what we do to the Lord. Like, I do that a lot. There's some days I'll go, maybe I won't read my Bible or pray pretty much the whole day, or maybe it's just an afterthought. You know, when I'm doing that, that's not showing, I'm not showing him how much I value him. The uh, next is we can honor him or show worship to him with our giving. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. And uh, I guess you could say first tithing. I guess people say 10%, I guess is maybe a standard. And some people might not say this, but Tithing technically kind of would be a sacrifice because you can, it could be, sac so say you make 60000 a year, 12 months in a year, so like $500 a month tithe. That could probably maybe make a car payment. I don't know how much interest rates would affect that right now, but you might be sacrificing a car for tithing or a new car, but I'm sure the Lord can do a lot more with your money and the church and mission maybe reaching souls then it could then it would be you driving a new car you know the bible also talks lay up your treasures in heaven don't lay them like lay them on earth so you know i think it's good to uh give to the lord and i guess when you fall in love with him and really want to serve him and seek him you don't really view that as a sacrifice you're doing it just as a gift kind of like you would buy your spouse flowers or give somebody a present at christmas you do it because you love them you don't do it, I guess, because you have to. And we should have that attitude about it. And next, we could worship him through our service. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, 
by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. There's the word again, living sacrifice. But it's also our reasonable service. You know, the Lord's been too good to us for us not to serve him, for us uh, not to do something for him. You're like, well, how can I serve the Lord? A lot of times we look at, I guess, men of God, preachers, or missionaries. I can only serve the Lord if I'm doing this. Or I can only serve the Lord if I'm doing that. Or I'm valued more doing this. But sometimes we maybe need to be content where the Lord's put us. Maybe he's put us in a different position that we can reach somebody that our pastor cannot reach. We can reach somebody that a missionary cannot reach. And like I said, we can serve him in many ways. Just as people, I guess they said like the nursery position is open. You can serve the Lord by watching kids in the nursery or by feeding lunches. You can serve the Lord by with technology. Like Chris is pretty good at uh, technology. I'll probably he'll probably have a big head after I compliment him. But he can. Uh, that's a way to serve the Lord. Whatever you're good at, there's probably a way you can use that to serve God. Next, I have a stone. We have the stone of victory. 1 Samuel seventeen forty-eight through 50. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone stuck into his forehead and he fell in the face of the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with his sling and with a stone, and smote the Philistine and slew him, and there was no sword in the hand of David. Like I said, we all know this story. David prevailed over the Philistine because he took the things of God and not the things of man. So how would could we have victory in our in our Christian life? First, I was thinking we can have victory by spending time with God. Uh, Joshua one eight says. But the book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth. Thou shalt meditate it, meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. When we're meditating on the word of God, and we have that in our heart, when the devil comes or some something comes our way, it's a lot easier, I guess, to put that aside and be like, no, this is true. I'm going to follow this. That's why I think it's, it's very important to read your Bible and also to meditate on it. Then uh, secondly, is to, we can have everybody trusting in the Lord. Just as David trusts in the Lord, we can trust in the Lord. Even though bad things are going to happen, it's inevitable. Like I did the devotion this past Sunday, there's a time for everything. There's a time for death. We don't like death. There's a time for work. Sometimes we don't like work. <laughs> the... Uh, there's, so we know that battles and uncirc like different circumstances are going to come our way that are not what we ideal or what we would like. But in those circumstances, we need to trust the Lord and know that he knows best. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. The uh, stones that David picked out of the brook were smooth stones. And it's because they had been tested. They had all the water flowing over them for so long. They've been tried. And our, our faith is like that sometimes. Our faith gets tested. 
like I said, things are going to come our way, and it's going to get tested. It's just really a matter of when. But I've heard it said, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. If you had a faith and it was tested and it fell, it would probably be not a very good faith. Or say if you had a Christian life and never had one battle, and then never had, I guess, anything to help you overcome that battle, it's really not much value I guess, in that faith. So, so I guess just ponder on that a minute. A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Let me see how much time I have. I still got like 35 minutes. I'll be long on this last point. Okay. Lastly, a stone of remembrance. A stone of remembrance. Joshua 4, 1 through 7 says, and it came to pass when all the people were clean, passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take ye twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of a place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place, where you shall lodge that night. And Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up every man you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. Now this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask of their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these what mean ye these stones? Then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it was passed over Jordan, and the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones were meant for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. So this story is when Israel was about to go into the promised land. They had to go through the Jordan. God parted the Jordan. They took the stones as a remembrance of what he had done for them. But a lot of times this is not preached together. But the uh, they said of these stones after they had already forgotten what God had done. The uh, we can go to like God has already done a lot of things for Israel. Psalms 78 12 says, Marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zion. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. And he made the waters to stand as a heap. In the daytime, he also led them by with a cloud. And all the night, with a light of fire, he clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused water to run down like rivers. Deuteronomy 6.22, And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his house before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he could that he might bring us in and give us a land which he swear unto our fathers. And Psalms 106.21 says, And they forgot their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt. God had done all these things for them, and they forgot him. He took them out of Egypt. They, they had to see all the plagues that he did to the Egyptian people. And when they had the blood on their doorpost, he passed over. And, you, know, you would think that would be I guess God done something that miraculous and they forgot. 
then later on, they did build up stones so they would remember, you know, I don't want to get to a place where I have to forget to be able to build up. You know, these people, they did not actually, I guess, a lot of them did not make it into the promised land. You know, it's a sad thing to uh, forget what the Lord has done for you. The uh, There's a few things I don't want to forget. You know, I would hate to forget his salvation. Psalms 42 said, He brought me also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. You know, do y'all remember where the Lord brought you from? The uh, I grew up in church, so I wasn't really out sinning very much, you could say. I know we're all sinners, and sometimes I guess maybe we say some things are a lot worse than others, which technically any sin is bad. And once you committed one, you really committed all. But uh, when I think about this, where could I have been? You know, uh, I could have been a lot of bad places. There's plenty of examples, even Christian people that raise their kids, that I guess they're on the wayside and not doing what the Lord wanted them to do or was not or are not saved. There's plenty of examples of those people that are living, I guess, wicked lives, that they have no hope, no future, nothing, I guess, to look forward to. They're probably living a scare life, not knowing, I guess, what the afterlife holds for them. Trying to, I guess, live it up here. Yeah, that's one thing I do never want to forget. Say salvation. Next is his goodness. Matthew 6, 26, 26 says, Behold the fowls of the air, for they send us sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, but, ye heaven, but your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? You know, the Lord's been good to us. He's been good to me. There's a lot of examples, I could say, how he's been good to me. I guess all of us could. You know, he's given me a good family, a good wife, kids. You know, we take those things for granted a lot of times. You know, he, he was let us born, be born in America. I have a friend. He was telling my dad one day this week. He's like, you know, you're really lucky to be born in America. He's from uh, Mexico. He's having trouble trying to get his citizenship. He's like, you know, you're really lucky for that. You know, we don't, I guess, see that sometimes, how lucky we really are. The, uh, you know, God's been good to us. I know I have stories of him being good to me. But, you know, I've really never had to struggle my whole life, I guess, with getting worldly possessions by, like, having meals or a place over my head. My dad told me a story once, if I remember how it goes. He uh, he got saved, and it wasn't too long. He started going to church. I think he started a business around that time. I don't think it was doing very well. He was late on his house payments. Somebody came up in a Sunday school class and gave him a check. He's like, here, our Sunday school class took this up for you. Hey, again, like... We know you're behind. Take this. And I think it covered the majority of that. You know, that's God's goodness. He uh, uses other people sometimes to be good to us. And uh, also, I don't want to forget his purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, could to give you an expected end. You know, God knew us before we were born. And you know, he's interested in us. And I guess the main, one of the main things he wants for us is to have a relationship with him. You know, I don't want to forget 
his purpose in my life to have a relationship with him and serve him. He's been too good to me to not do that, but it's so easy to forget and try to do your own things. You want to maybe buy the newest thing or you see somebody else, oh, they have this. I need to work toward having this. Sometimes we need to take a step back and say, God, you created me for a purpose. Help me fulfill that purpose that you created for me. Help me have a relationship with you. Help me to serve you, serve others, and uh, help me be faithful to you and all that you've done for me. That's the least that we could do is to be faithful to him. Um, that's all that I have tonight. The, uh, if anyone wants to come to the altar, they can. I know God, I don't know if anybody's struggling with anything. But really, every one of these, you could struggle with. Like, the stone of protection. Are you, do you have trouble, I guess, relying on God? Really trusting His promises. The, uh, the stone of victory. You know, are we spending time with the Lord? Are we really trusting Him? You know, are we worshiping and praising God like we should? Are we putting on the armor of God? Then the, or my pages are all out of order. Are we remembering what God has done for us? Sometimes it's good to just take a step back and thank the Lord for all that He's done. Because He has definitely been good to us. He's been good to me. And uh, I want to thank Him for that tonight. That's all I have tonight. I'll give it over to uh, Brother Terry and let him close it out. Appreciate that message you gave us. Uh, just had something on my heart tonight that I felt like we ought to do. Uh, I know we all been praying for a pastor. And uh, pulpit committee gets together and talks about the preachers that come in and everything. And we're really trying to do what the Lord wants for this church. And if y'all would, I know I get a lot of texts saying you're praying for us. But I'd like for the pulpit committee to come down and then the church come down and pray with us. And that we will follow God's will, that we will just stay committed to this and that we will do exactly what God wants for this church. Yeah, all the guys that's on the pulpit committee, if y'all come down and just let the church gather around us and pray, and we'll be dismissed that way.